Welcome, my name is CJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're glad that you're with us. We're beginning a brand new series today called Four Cups, and uh, this series was inspired by a book that uh, a guy named Pastor Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands wrote it quite a few years ago. It kind of changed my perspective on some things, particularly when it came to God's promises. And uh, as a church, we're, we're uh, I, I just want to say this because I think it's important for you to hear. You know, we say all the time here that we want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. And one thing that's really, really incredible about you guys is, is you're one of the most evangelistic churches out there. What I mean by that is you're constantly inviting your friends, your family, your co workers, people you don't like to church so God can save them, change them, transform them. So hopefully you will like your mother-in-law. Hopefully you will like that neighbor you don't like right now. And, uh, and, and we're doing a great job of that. Hence why we have so many services going on right now as a church. And, and that's awesome. And I love being in a very, very evangelistic pastor. There's something about people experiencing God that's transformative. But the other thing with that is, is that I also think it's important for us to realize that we, there are some things we need to know about God so we can actually follow God. And this series is, is I believe, is going to be very, very transformational for us uh, because there are some promises that God has made for each and every one of us that if we will truly discover them, I believe that it will revolutionize your relationship with God and your future. And I think it's, uh, uh, we're at a critical, critical point in time, not only for you personally, but as a church community, uh, of what God is doing in this house. And I think it's important for us to recognize those things. And so we're going to be talking over the next four weeks after this weekend. This weekend is really kind of the setup for this series. But today, let me kind of lead with this. I want to talk about promises because promises are a big deal. And especially when it comes to God's promises, it's a big deal. And so what I want to do is I want to define promises to right off the bat because we all have a different idea of the word promise based on our history, based on what's happened, based on promises that have made to us. And so if you're taking notes today, which you should, it will make you smarter if you take notes. So if you want to follow along, there's some notes on your seats. A promise is this. A promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. So what a promise is. A promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. And, uh, and actually the word promise comes from the word pro, which means uh, forth, and the word miter, which means to send it. It's saying literally, a promise is something you're sending forth that will happen in the future. Like you can't make promises uh, of things that have happened in the past. You can only make promises for things that will take place in the future. And so whenever a promise is made, it's for something that is to come in life. And so if you make a promise, it's something that is going to come in life. Now the problem is, because we're humans, we've all experienced some empty promises. Anybody ever experienced an empty promise out there where somebody over-promises and under-delivers? Okay, only a few of us. Some of you, you're living your best life, apparently. Never had, a, anybody ever experienced a broken promise? Somebody made a promise to them and they broke that promise? Okay, a few more of you. Some of you, it doesn't matter what, I'm going to give you a million dollars if you raise your hand. Like, you're not going to raise your hand. Okay. One, one was like, oh, okay, I'll raise it then. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that, Lori. Thank you for, for getting on that game. But here's what I know. I've experienced a lot, of, a lot of broken promises. Like, there is a place in Orlando. They call it the, the happiest place on earth. Anybody experience that? Disney World, right? right? Disney World, happiest place on earth. That's a promise, right? All of your dreams can come true there. Well, Shayla and I took Alexander there in, in, in uh, 
June of this year, and uh, we went there, and we, we found out that that is not the happiest place on earth. What we found out is that is the most expensive place on earth. We found out that, that Orlando is the hottest place on earth. I mean, it might literally be like hell from a heat perspective in Orlando. We, we also found out that, uh, that, that it's also a place, if you like long lines, it might make you happy. But if you want to go on a small world, which lasts about two minutes, it will take you two hours, right? So they overpromise and they underdeliver. Uh, Another, another thing that, that promises a lot, do politicians ever promise some things that they, they fail to come through on? Anybody ever experienced that? Nobody's ever voted for somebody that said they would do something, and then they didn't do it, did they? Okay, yeah, we've all experienced that. Uh, a, a couple years ago, a guy in our church, he knows that I'm a huge Notre Dame fan, which we got shellacked last night. Uh, it's a terrible, terrible game. But he knew that I was a huge Notre Dame fan. He's a huge Alabama fan. He goes, TJ, I promise you, if you come to an Alabama game, you'll become the biggest Alabama Crimson Tide fan of all time. Like, listen, in fact, I want you to come so bad, I'll pay for you to come. All you have to do is wear an Alabama shirt to the Alabama game. And I'm like, I could probably attain that. And so we went up to... Um, Tuscaloosa, and we're at this tailgate before the Alabama football game. I'm wearing my Alabama shirt. It's raining out like it's been the past couple days, and we're at this tailgate. And I'm just standing there. I'm wearing like a poncho. And all of a sudden, as I'm standing there at the Alabama stadium wearing my Alabama shirt, my poncho catches on fire. It hits a space heater behind me, flames up. Some guy that's at the tailgate pours his beer on it to get it out. Can't make this stuff up. Guy I'm with, like, would have let me burn. And what it told me is that God is not an Alabama fan. It's hence why I caught on fire. He's like, you're going straight to hell. You continue to wear that stuff. So if you're an Alabama fan, I'm sorry. Uh, you're, you're des- no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I learned that, that God is not a big fan of Alabama. He likes Notre Dame. Touchdown Jesus. Where else has touchdown Jesus? Okay, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And... Uh, but we've all experienced some broken promises. Some of us have experienced for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, till death do us part. And death did not make us part. Somebody broke their promise. Some of you have had some business deals with a business partner that's like, man, I got your back. What that meant was they were stabbing you in the back. Why? Because a promise is only as good as the Guarantee Right? Like somebody makes a promise. That promise is only as strong as the person that's making the promise. And unfortunately, we live in a fallen world with broken people who are pathological liars, which all of us are. We all lie. We, we make promises that are virtually impossible for us to keep. Why? Because we're human. And therefore, our promises are only as strong as our ability to, to make that promise. Like, I, I made a promise to my wife that I, like, at our wedding, like, I would love you and I would never hurt you at all. Uh, Shayla, have I ever hurt you before? Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> she didn't even have to answer. She just had to smile. Why? Because as good as I am, and I'm good. <laughs> I'm just not that good. And as good as you are, you're just not that good. As good as that person is, they're just not that good. Why? Because we all have a sin nature. Yeah. But there is somebody who makes promises 
and keeps them. And that is God. And God is a promise maker. When he gives it, he always fulfills it. It might not be in the time frame that we thought it was going to be in. might not be in the way we thought it was going to be in. But he always comes through on his promises. And the reason why comes out of Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. It says this, God is not a man, so he does not lie. Who lies? People lie. It says, he is not human, so he doesn't change his mind. Who changes their mind? Humans change their mind. It says, has he ever spoken or failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried through? No, the fact of the matter is, is that God is a promise maker and God is a promise keeper. The problem is, is a lot of us view God through the lens of our dealings with people. And because we deal with people, we think, well, people have sold me out. People have not come through, so God is not going to come through. And what we need to do is we need to have a mental reset in our mind. We need to have a start over in life. In fact, I used to do this all the time. When I was growing up, we had this gaming console called Nintendo. Anybody have a Nintendo back in the day? Man, we'd play some Techno Bowl, be out there running with Bo Jackson. And if it happened to be that I was losing that game to a friend that I was playing with, I would just accidentally... Like, I kicked the console reset button with my foot on accident. Anybody ever experienced that? It's like, what just happened? Oh, my bad, dude. They're like, I was beating you. Oh, well, I don't remember that, you know. Uh, <laughs> you get to start over. Why? Because sometimes we need a mental reset. We need a, a reset of, of how we view some things. We need a reset of how God views some things because here's what I know is that God's promises should stir up dreams inside of us that can lead us to the fulfilling life that he has planned for every single one of us. The dreams and the promises that God has should lead us to this unbelievable, fulfilling life. And God has made some absolutely incredible promises to you and I. And we're going to be looking over the next four weeks at four promises that he has made, that he made to, to the children of Israel on their way out of Egypt, when they were going through the Exodus, uh, they, God made four promises excuse me, to the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 6. And it's called actually the four I wills. And Jewish people actually still pr practice these promises that God made to the children of Israel. In fact, when they go into uh, that Seder, the Seder Passover, the Passover Seder, when they do that dinner, they actually reenact what happened back in the day. They have a meal, they light some candles, and then they pour four cups of wine for the four promises that God made to the children of Israel. They're called the four I wills, and they come out of Exodus chapter 6. And I want to read them to you, and we're going to study them. And then we're going to talk about what keeps us from our promises. And this is what they said uh, in Exodus chapter 6. And I believe that this was God's heart for his people back then. It's still his heart for his people today. Listen, this wasn't just for the Jewish people. This was for, was for all of his children, which you are. He has these promises for every single one of us. It says this, Therefore, say to the people of Israel, or the people of Parkland, or the people of Coral Springs, or the people of Boca, or the people of Brazil, because we got a lot of Portuguese people in here. Uh, maybe some Ireland people, maybe Bahamas, whatever. Whatever we want to throw. Yeah, somebody, what, what? You know, if I... <laughs> say to those people, I am the Lord. First promise, I will free you from your oppression. 
Second promise, I will rescue you from your slavery. Third promise, I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. Fourth promise, I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from oppression in Egypt. And these promises that God gave, they still apply today. He says, man, I will free you from your oppression. What he's saying is he's saying all of us are oppressed in this one form and one way. It's called sin. It's in every single one of our lives. And because we have sin in our lives, God needs to bring salvation to us. He needs to free us from our oppression. And that comes through us knowing God. It comes through the sacrifice that was made on the cross by Jesus Christ for every single one of us. It's a promise that we can all experience today. He said, I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. What he's saying is, he's a man, there are some things that are holding you back. There are some things that you need deliverance from in your life. There are some sin issues that are reoccurring in your life. There are some addictions that are in your life. There are some strongholds in your life. And what you need is you need freedom. And I'm a God who loves to free people from bondage and addictions and things that are holding them back. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to know me, and I want you to experience freedom in your life. The third promise is, is that I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. That word redeem means re to restore. And God's goal is to restore you to his original intent for your life. The number one question people would ask if they had an opportunity to ask God anything is, is, what on earth am I here for? Like, what is my purpose? And the thing that God wants to do is he wants to restore to you your original design and intent and give you purpose in life. That's what he's saying when he's saying, hey, I want to re redeem you. And then he says, I will claim you as my own people and I will be your own be your God. He's saying, listen, I want to fulfill everything, and I want to do and, and bring you together, not just as an individual, but as a people, because that when you come together, we can do something great together. We can make a huge difference. It's one of the reasons why he called Israel his people, is why he loves his church, because he wants to do something great through every single one of our lives, and God wants to do these things in our lives, and the answer to God's promises, the Bible tells us are yes and amen, which means Hey, it's for you, and go ahead and so be it. That's what amen means. So be it. So be it in your life. And so it begs me to question if God's answers to his promises for every single one of us are yes and amen, what is holding us back from that? What's keeping us from what could and should be for our lives? And I would submit to you the thing that is holding us back from realizing and living out God's promises is ourselves. Like, if I could give you a picture of God looking down at us and his promises are right here, you want to know what we look like? Here's what we look like. We're running in place. We're trying to make progress. But the thing that is holding us back is our own self. You're like, that looks ridiculous. Exactly. And a lot of us, we see things on the other side, but there are some things, there are some mentalities, there have been some things that have happened to us that have become our own barrier to the promises and dreams that God has for our lives. So how do we break through 
the barriers that are in our lives. I think first we have to recognize the barriers that are in our lives, and we're going to do that through the story of Moses. Uh, and we're actually going to be looking at Acts chapter 7. They give a, 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 a glimpse into Moses' life, who is the same person that God gave the promises to in Exodus chapter 6. It says this in Acts chapter 7, verse 20. It says, At the time that Moses was born, he was beautiful in God's sight. He was brought up for three months in the father's house, and he was exposed. Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son, which just FYI, first foster care case in the entire Bible right here. First foster care case in the Bible. In fact, in fact, this is important for some of you to recognize that the, the significance of your life might not be something you do, but someone you raise. Some of you are like, what's my purpose? What, what's significant? It might be that child that's in your home right now. You might, be del- you might be raising up a deliverer of people and you don't even know it right now because you're so busy looking at yourself. Like, what's my problem? Your problem is that you're not seeing the potential that's right in front of you. Just saying. Are we going to preach here today? And it says, and Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds, which is interesting because when God comes to him later when he's in the desert by himself and says, hey, I want to use you to free my people, what does Moses say? But God, I'm a stutterer. Stutterer. But the Bible says that he was mighty in his words and his deeds prior to this. So what became of him that made him that way? Some own things, some some things in himself began to hold him back from the person that he was called to be all along. It says, when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart, which is an important element. I want you to circle that, underline it, star it, highlight it, do something. Came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wrong, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving him salvation by his hand, but they did not. Let me just stop right there because that's important. What God is going to begin to do in your life, you're going to think that other people should see it in your life and they're not going to see it. They're not going to recognize the promise that's on your life. They're not going to recognize the dream that's in your heart. They're not going to be able to do that because it's not their dream, it's your dream. It says, and on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling, and they tried to reconcile them, saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who is wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. It says, as time passed, now when 40 years had passed, dot, dot, dot. And what I want to take from this story is I think that there are some things that have hindered us and have begun to kill our dreams that we haven't even recognized that are happening all around us all the time that are creating barriers in our life. And so if you're taking notes today, some of the dream killers that I believe that are holding us back are unchangeable circumstances. A lot of us are looking at our lives and we looked at the the patterns that we've had from sin or the the setbacks that we've had in life that have put us in a situation where we grew up poor, now we're poor. And so we look at our life and we say, hey, that's never going to change. I'm going to be as poor for the rest of my life. Or, or, this, or, or we look at things and we go, man, things are never going to change. Because they looked around at themselves. They had been enslaved for 390 years at this point. And in verse 24, it says they were oppressed men. 
And because they were oppressed men, all they had known is oppression. And so when Moses tried to deliver them, they couldn't see past the oppression that was in their life. Because that was their circumstance, and they didn't see how they could ever get out of that. And so many of us in life, we've gotten into some circumstances, but how many of you all know that God has the ability to change our circumstances? But a lot of us are allowing our circumstances to get way louder and way bigger than what God has said about our lives. And so God comes in and goes, man, I haven't called you to be poor. I've actually called you to be rich. And you're going, but God, you don't understand where I'm at. You don't understand where I've been. No, God does. He created you. He made you. He put you on that journey. He knows exactly where you are. He's not speaking to where you are. He's speaking to where you could be. But a lot of us are going, but God, things just don't ever seem to change for me. And you've believed it. For others of you, it isn't your circumstances, but really it's, your, it's this unrelenting doubt that creeps into your life. And I believe that doubt is the greatest dream killer out there. It is the thing that, that speaks not only through other people, but it's something that we speak to ourselves. And what happens is, is Moses has this dream that's in his heart and he begins to act on it. And then in verse 27 and 28, they ask him, Who made you? Like, who gave you permission? Who said you could do that? Who do you think you are? And some of us have begun to step out in life and we've heard the self-doubt come in. Like, who do you think you are? Like, you're not smart enough to do that. You're not, you don't have the resources to do that. And all of a sudden we start speaking to ourselves within ourselves. And we begin to doubt ourselves at an even greater level. I remember when Shayla and I moved here 10 years ago in June of 2009. We, we started the church in September, and, and I remember about seven weeks in, I looked at her, and I'm going, this isn't going very good. And she's like, no, it's not. I'm like, I'm not very good at this. And she's like, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm not sure we're going to make it. And she's like, I'm not sure either. You know? And just being full of doubt, even though God had said, go. Do this. Then I remember just a little over a year ago, getting ready for this building to open up. I remember sitting in here one evening by myself, looking around and going, I have financially ruined our church. Like, we're never going to be able to fill this place. We're never going to be able to pay for this place. See, at the time, we didn't have thousands of people coming to church. We had hundreds of people coming to church. And we had millions of dollars of debt. And I was looking around going, I, I, I don't think I'm qualified for this. I don't think I have the capability of this. I don't know that I'm that good of a leader for this. Why? Because that unrelenting doubt starts creeping in. And for a lot of us, that doubt has been so loud that it's made God's voice really small. And have you noticed whatever you're listening to seems to grow at a greater measure in life? And if you're listening more to doubt than you are to God, who do you think wins that battle every time? Your self-doubt will win that battle. For others of you, it isn't your circumstances or your doubt. It's unfilled expectations. 
You thought God was going to do it one way, and he seems to do it another. I mean, this is what Moses thought. It says, at this retort in verse 29 30, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became a father of two sons when 40 years had passed. See, Moses' expectation is, is this comes into my heart. That means God wants to do this right now, which is exactly how we perceive God as well. Like, we are not a super patient people. Anybody in here, like, extremely patient? Yeah, exactly. There's like nobody raising their hands. Why? Because we want everything right here, right now, right in this way. But what I found is the best things in life take some time, right? You don't go to McDonald's expecting a five-star meal, do you? No, because it's fast food, which means it's food, not good food. You go to a five-star restaurant, you expect to be there two, three hours. Why? Because you know there's going to be a multi-course meal and it's going to take, good food takes time. You go to a good movie, it isn't over in an hour and ten minutes. A good movie takes time. they got to build characters. they got to build plot line. they gotta, they got to have this climatic scene. I mean, think about going to a doctor. You don't want to go to a doctor that you can get into and see right away because that means that doctor's not very good, right? You go to a doctor's office, you make an appointment at 1, you're happy if you see that doctor by 2.30. Because the longer the wait, the better the doctor. Unless it's a female doctor, you get in there at two because she's got a little bit more time conscious. But, like, the best things in life take some time. And when you and I, we have to wait on things, we get so impatient. At 40 years old, he has this dream. Here's what I want you to see. Because this is important. This is a little math lesson. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 13... God says to Abraham, who is the father of Israel, he says, hey, your people will be in captivity for 400 years. So 400 years. Then in, in, in Exodus chapter 12, the Bible says that the children of Israel were actually in captivity 430 years. Now, a little math, 430 minus 400 equals 30. Okay, eight of you are good at math. So 30 years difference. Did God lie? No. Moses jumped the gun on the process and the dream that God put in his heart. It says 40 years later, 40 years had passed, dot, dot, dot. God speaks to Moses. Moses goes and delivers the children of Israel, which means that if it took 430 years, Moses jumped the gun 10 years. See, God put that thing in his heart, and the reason he jumped the gun is because we too all often assume that the dream that we've been given is a right now promise. See, we live in a microwave generation serving a crockpot God. Let that sink in for some of y'all. Both apparatuses heat things up. Both apparatuses cook. Well, they don't cook. Both of them will give you something edible, kind of. One of them takes time. One of them tastes good. The other does not. 
And so many of us, what we're doing is God gives us a promise. We're like, yes, God, that means right now. And so what we do is we go, man, 30 seconds later, God, it should be ready to go. And you throw something in a microwave for 30 seconds, it gets hot on the outside, doesn't it? But on the inside, it's ice cold. And so what happens is God gives us a promise. God gives us a dream. And, man, we are fired. Yeah, God, I'm going to go storm the gates of hell with a water gun. I got you. I'm your boy. Three weeks later, we forgot all about it. Why? Because we got hot, but it didn't permeate all the way through. And see, we serve a God that puts a dream and a promise in our heart, not so that it always comes to place right in that moment, but so that it, it can permeate, it can infiltrate, it can, it can kind of get in there and simmer in our hearts. Why? Because he wants to get deep down inside of us. Because if he were to give us the dream and the promise right now, we would not have the character and the ability to sustain that thing. Because we haven't had the internal development that takes some time. And a lot of us have heard promises from God, and we've heard words from God, and we're like, yeah, God, let's do it right now. But how many of y'all know God's ways are not our ways? And we think it's right now, and God's going, man, I've got something for you. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be unbelievable. But you got to let it sink down deep inside of you. Why? Because his promises are yes and Amen. His delays are not his denials. And some of you, you've had some promises from God that, that you got really hot about, and then you found out that you were cold, and you've just thrown those things aside. And I believe that God is saying, no, 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 today we need to take those promises, we need to take those things, we need to throw them in the crock pot. And we need to put those ingredients back in, and we need to begin to let them marinate in the process of time. And allow me to do a work inside of you to see the fruition of those things come to place. Because there is some maturation that needs to take place in your life. And maturation takes some time. You don't become mature overnight. Otherwise, we'd have a lot more godly children right now. Take some time. So practically, what does that look like for us? If God is a promise maker and God is a promise keeper and God is wanting to do some promising things in our life, here's what it means. Number one, if you're taking notes, because I like to be practical, you need to write that promise down. You need to write that promise down. What has God spoken to you? You need to write it down because we are people that is so forgetful, so fast, because life is coming at us at the speed of light. In fact, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, it says that God answered, write this, write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. What God is saying is he's saying, listen, there's something that's coming and I'm pointing to it, and I want you to be, remind yourself of what it is. I want you to see what it is. I want you to be looking out in the distance, knowing that what I've promised, I will fulfill, because I'm a promise maker and I'm a promise keeper. But don't just write the vision down. Then I need you to, number two, take it to the Bible. I need you to take it to God's Word, because whatever God says to you should align to what He's already said. Yeah. A lot of us are believing for promises that God has never spoken in life. And here's what I know is that God's got over 7,000 promises in this book. And every single one of them has a premise. Which means that there's something for you to do. 
There's some sort of aspect that is required of you, and we're wondering, why is that thing not coming to fruition? Well, God has promised, but he's also given a premise. And we have yet to, to, to in essence, we put all the ingredients in the crock pot, but we never hit start. And if you don't know his word, you're going to have a hard time standing on his word. And the Bible is so critical to your faith. I believe it's, it's probably the key element that will make you or break you. It says, David said, I have hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, that I might not mess this process up. I might not throw in some wrong ingredients, but I would trust in you. I would rely on you. I would know you. After you take it to the Bible and you get it aligned with what God has already said, number three, what you need to do is you need to, you need to go to some wise people. You need to go to some people that are sharp, that understand some things. That tell, Basically, I'm, what I'm saying is tell someone you trust that is wiser, smarter, and further along in their faith than you are. Don't go tell your girlfriend that's not doing any better in life. You promise she ain't going to help you. Dudes, don't go tell your boy that's still single, living in mom's basement. He ain't going to help you. Go find somebody that's in faith, in the place where you want to be, and go, hey, listen, I believe that God has spoken to me. Here's some verses. Would you stand with me in prayer? And pray with me. And believe with me. And maybe you've already been there and done that. Maybe you can give me some wisdom, some steps that I should take that I'm not very aware of right now. And let some other people confirm it with you. In fact, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22, it says, Refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. And some of us need to get some good counsel in our life. It's one of the reasons why we say, get in a group, 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 get in a group. Almost every single week. It's not because we want you in a group. It's because we want some good counsel around your life to help you succeed in the things of God in your life. The best way to do that is to surround yourself with people like that. And then number four, you got to wait for God's timing. And this is the one we don't like, but going back to the Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, it says, And then God answered, write this, write what you see, write it out in big block letters so it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. Then verse 3, you got to look at the next verse. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. It does not lie. If it seems slow in coming... What's that word? Hurry up. What is it? I, I still didn't hear you. What is it? I didn't, I, this section did not say anything right here. So what, what's that word? I just want to make sure. Okay. How about y'all? What, what's that word? Over here. Here. Back there. Yeah, they're louder than all of you. It's on its way. It will come right on time. What time is that? Now. No, some of y'all are like, now. No, that's not correct. That is not correct. That was a good, good try. It's like saying Jesus for an answer. It's like, Jesus, yeah, that's a good try. <laughs> it's going to come in God's time. And for some of you, that might be in three hours because you've been cooking for a while. 
For others of you, that might be three years because you have yet to put any ingredients in the crock pot. But if God promises, he always fulfills. And God has got some incredible promises. It's time for us to begin to grab them, stand on them, and wait on his fulfillment of them. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, I thank you that you are a promise maker and you're a promise keeper. God, that your promises should stir up so many dreams inside of us that will lead us to the fulfilling life that you have always planned for us. And God, your ultimate, the ultimate promise that you have given is the promise of eternal life, the promise of a relationship with you, that God, that every single man, woman, and child can experience on this earth. And the only premise to that promise is, is that we would confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and God. It says that we can be saved. We can be saved from that sin nature that holds so many of us back because you already paid the ultimate price. The price by sending your son Jesus to this earth to die a sinner's death, to die a death that we all deserved on the cross. And you rose, your son rose three days later so that we could have this life, this life full of promises. And maybe you're here today and you've never experienced the ultimate promise of God or maybe you need to re-experience that promise. The promise of having a relationship with the creator of the universe. I'm not talking about rules or religion or membership at a church. I'm talking about knowing the God that loves you so much that he would pay the ultimate price whether you would accept him or reject him because he loves you that much. Maybe you need to experience that here today. You need to get that ultimate gift of salvation. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed on the count of three, if you just slip your hand up, we'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. See you. Yes, ma'am. Shayla, would you lead them in prayer? You guys will just repeat in your heart as I pray out loud. Jesus, this morning I surrender. God, I surrender my ways surrender my thoughts.